Welcome to the House of Worship podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's message. For more information, visit our website at www.myhouseofworship.org. Second Samuel 7, let's read from 18 and we'll put it in the context. Then we will read 1 Corinthians 4, 7 and tie it together. Make sense? All right. So, 2 Samuel is after 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. So, kindly go to your book of the Old Testament and then navigate. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. And he said, I need you to uh, underscore that. Can we lower the volume a little bit? Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. All right? And if you haven't seen that expression, uh, let it excite you that a time comes where you got to be in the presence of God, uh, seated, uh, meaning it's time to dialogue, it's time to exchange, it's time to hear from the Lord, it's time to give to the Lord. Uh, he was sitting in his place or in his position. He set himself right for this. Then he said, who am I, O Lord? Other versions would say, who am I, sovereign God? That God there has to do with Yahweh the one who is, the one who says that I am and I can be what I want to be when I want to be it. So he says, who am I? And then the next question he says, and what is my house? And then he says that you have brought me this far. I need you to write down these three things. I believe in my heart that these are three questions every one of us must learn to answer and keep it with us. Who you are. <laughs> Number two, what is your house? And three, how far you have brought me. You know, sometimes where I am doesn't look like I've come from far till you visit where you came from. Sometimes who you are and what God is doing now, when you look back to your family, my goodness, you should have been minced meat by now. I mean, some of us, the rockers we started life with, if it was not the grace of God, we shouldn't have been where we are. See, and all these things help to account for your heart and its position towards God. Then he continues verse 19, and yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God. And you have also spoken to your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man? Or the Lord. Now what he's saying, is this, is this what you do with everybody? Or is this what you do as God? Now remember, we'll, get, we'll give context to this. All right. 
verse 20, verse 20 here. Now, what more can David say to you? For you, Lord, God, know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant know them. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, like Israel, the one nation on the earth, whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, to make for himself a name, and do for yourself great and awesome deeds for your land, before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations, and their gods. Verse 24, for you have made your people Israel your own people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. Now, O Lord God, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it forever and do as you have said. So let your name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. Let the house of your servant be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore your servant has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. Verse 28, And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now, therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord, have spoken it, and you, with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. Now let's read 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse 7. I just love the last statement he made. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 verse 7. 1 Corinthians is in the book of the New Testament. All right. So for who makes you differ from another? And what do you have? That you did not receive. Now if you did indeed receive it. Why do you boast as if you had not received it? I read it one more time. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now if you did indeed receive it. Why do you boast as if? You had not received it. Three things David said as he sat before God. His question to God was, who am I? Two, what is my house? Three, you have brought me this far. Every one of us must learn to periodically review with these three questions. 
Now, with the three things you have, I want you to put down this fourth one. There is a reserve for the grateful. Okay. So, from Abraham, we learn that God is able to bless an individual without him, God. So, when God picked Abraham, he took him out of his father's house. Yeah? He said, leave your father's house, meaning there's a blessing in that father's house, but I want you to leave it. He said, leave your land, because there's a blessing in that land, and I, God, will give you a land that will bless you. All right? There is an inheritance from the family you come from. All right? So as a person, there is a blessing that will come into your life regardless of who and where you come from. All right? Now, when God said to Abraham to leave all that, what he was trying to do was establish him according to him, God. That's why Abraham would say to the king that I've lifted up my hands to God that no one would take credit for my blessing. So John explains in John 1 that anyone that is born by God is different from being born by the will of men, born by the expressions that come through the interactions of men, all right? And you can be born of God. So in, in John, uh, he also says again that anything that is born of God overcomes. So there's a dimension of attachment to God that changes your trajectory. Okay? But without God, you can still be blessed. That's why unbelievers are still blessed. Now the fact that you are blessed doesn't mean it's God blessing you. And it's important not to confuse the two. Because sometimes I see people who are walking with God righteously trying to get into things that they ought not to get into because they think that the person is blessed and God must be behind it. It's just like wisdom. There's a wisdom that is worldly and there's a wisdom that is God. All right? So the godly wisdom is peaceable. Some people tell you, you are not being wise. It's not peaceable. It will get you into a jam. So John advises us, mm -mm, the wisdom of God is very different. So I want to encourage you. You've got to know the difference. It's not every street smart that is coming from God. Now one of the things God was teaching Saul was that after God has blessed you, all right, the initial blessing is coming to know who you are in him. All right? Then as a result of that, you begin to function out of it. All right? So he says to him that after all these things have happened to you, you become a different person. Then when you become a different person, he says categorically to Saul that whatever enters your heart to do, or whatever the occasion demands, you do it. All right? So you, he takes you as this guy who is a donkey chaser, whose father does not even believe in you. The guy himself did not believe in himself. And God picks him out and says that, aren't you the desire of Israel? I'm going to make a king out of you. 
And then he changes his heart, gives him another heart, and he says that once you begin to have another heart, you begin to demonstrate things like prophesy, which means you are hearing from God, and God is speaking through you. But after that, when all the changes are taking place, I need you to take responsibility and begin to steward what you have. And the way you steward it is now you begin to act out of your own free will. Just like when man was created, put in the garden, given everything, and God expects you to do the right thing. So he'll say, look, I put before you life and death. I advise you choose life. That's God. So the free will we have is supposed to be used for the right thing. It's like freedom is not freedom to do the wrong thing. You know, sometimes when we become 18 years old, we think that we are nearing 18 and we are nearing 21. So now we have freedom to do the bad things. No, 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 no. Freedom is supposed to be used to do the right thing. Make sense? Yeah. So that's why, you know, I always have this smack on my face when, when people are getting married and are saying that this is a handcuff. It's not a handcuff. It's freedom. I'm free from all other women. Do you understand me? You, you don't understand. Let me talk to you about Solomon. He had how many wives? How many concubines? He, he was getting to thousand. And the Bible says when he became old, not when he was young, when he became old, the women turned his heart away. This is freedom from everyone else. It's not a shackle. Do you understand me? So you, you got to understand that the liberty in Christ is not for you to just go berserk. That's why it's called the straight and the narrow. All right? The straight and the narrow doesn't mean boring. It means focus. It means power. You're not all over the place. You are in tune with the purpose of God for your life. Your heart was not designed to, to run outside your body. It was supposed to stay in your body. You can't lend your heart to anybody. If you lend it, you are gone. Oh, I remember the first time they asked me, do you want to be an organ donor? I said, no. I don't want you to harvest my organs before I die. Now, of course, I didn't know much then. I thought, you know, it was all this scheme. <laughs> but listen. There are things that you got to know <laughs> that this is God saying it and he means it. Now, I don't know whether last week we emphasized, I know I talked about it, but you know, when you are not a person that is grateful or Thanksgiving is not part of your lifestyle, you begin to get brain rot. Did we talk about it? You remember? All right, so you find that, you can go, go look at it. You find that in, in Romans 1, uh, 20 and 21, all right? So we can see that even on, our, on, 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 on the national scales in different nations. As the Lord prospers the nation, what the people now begin to do is that they begin to deny God and all of a sudden they start thinking crazy, all right? So look at us as a nation. We're confused about simple things as gender. We're confused about what to smoke, what not to smoke. Now, this CBD thing, we see it everywhere, right? Can, let me talk about it. Now, listen, God made the plant. He put stuff in it. We're not supposed to abuse it. 
But guess what? Pastor Samuel was offered some. We were in a, you know, <laughs> I got to say this. I got to say this. Listen, we, on Thanksgiving, we get to a gas station around uh, 5 a.m. And this lady is offering her cream that has stuff in it. She says, it's good for you. And she's all giddy. Please, God made the thing for a purpose. Once we get out of the reason why it was made, it will drive us nuts. Can we lift our hands to God and say, God, help me not to misunderstand you. So gratitude helps us to keep things in context. All right? There are nations that are not grateful for what they have, so they export it. What you are not grateful for, you would do, you would just mess it up. Now, gratitude is designed to turn the recipient into a giver. So God blesses us, but he said to Abraham, for example, I bless you so you'll be a blessing. So now you receive, but the intent is for you to become like me who is a giver. So when my heart is filled with gratitude, what he's really doing is that he's shifting me from just being a recipient to being one that now blesses. Because a grateful heart will do something. Haven't you seen people being blessed by their colleges and, and they start, when they are loaded, they start sending money to that college? See, when your heart is filled with gratitude, you express it. You cannot be grateful quietly. You cannot be thankful, really, quietly. All right, let me illustrate this. This works. Uh, uh, how many remember when uh, uh, the children in your house were very small and you blessed them? What did they, how did they react? They come hug you. They can tell you you are the best. They say you are the best dad on the planet. You are very, they say all kinds of things when they are small. Now, when they hit their teenage years, how do they say they thank you? Nothing. Yeah, sometimes you don't even get the thank you. Yeah, and, and, and they will say that I'm thanking you in my heart. They will say I'm grateful. I mean, they can have this smile on their face, but there's no expression. Why? Because it shifted. Something changed. You know, they entered into entitlement. Oh, you're lucky you blessed me. Yeah, you know, now you're, it's, it's, you're, you, are, you are the father. You are supposed to do it. So, you know, the privilege, you know, I, I like it at the driver's license. They tell us, it's not your right, it's your privilege. And anytime we forget that Thanksgiving is a requirement, we lose something. All right? Anytime we indulge in gratitude, what we're saying to whoever blessed us is that we are noticing you. The truth is, my gratitude keeps God in the center of my life. So it's not just thank you, 
yeah, as a recital, but thank you because now I know that it's him who is guiding my life. His goodness is what has brought me this far. I woke up because God's goodness. I am where I am because of the goodness of God. And it keeps, you know, it keeps you in the place where you need to be so that the flow of the blessings will keep coming. You know, anyone who is grateful remains humble. Anyone who is grateful does not lift himself above where he ought to. It is God that lifts him or her. Gratitude, gratefulness, thankfulness is a relationship builder. Those that you express gratitude to, you develop an incredible good relationship with. Try it. Try saying thank you and mean it from your heart. I'm not talking about a lip service like when you were a kid. You said it because you lose it. But you're saying it because you know that is the access, like we learned last week, that gratitude is an access. And for every one of us in this season of stewardship, gratitude for the opportunity of stewarding, my God, can I speak to presidents of nations? Can I speak to, to, to CEOs? Can I speak to people who are going to be promoted in the coming season? That you are grateful that you have an opportunity to, to steward the nation. It will change the way you look at the nation. It will change the way you look at your clients. What an opportunity to be a blessing. I like telling this story, you know, the day I, 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 uh, Jeremy was born, the first guy. I'm racing down the highway, an excitement, and, and I can't wait to go home and call my dad and tell him, man, I, I scored the mark, I'm, I'm a dad too, and, and all the people that I need to call and, and just give them the good news, and, and I'm on this high, and I'm so excited, and the Holy Spirit butts in and says, wait a minute, just cool down. The reason why you are a father is because of that little guy. You cannot be ungrateful. You've got to thank him for making you a father. You know, when I say it, he's happy. He's over there, yeah. No, but the truth is, I cannot ignore the fact that it was through him that I got my status. Then he reminded me, it is your wife that gave you, oh my goodness. So now everything else that I was thinking about, you know, I was trying to sit on to think that I was whatever. It's like, view it again. Take a good look at it. David is saying, who am I? Who am I that I should have Jeremy? Who am I? It's not because of me. Because, you know, listen, we all got it going. Sometimes you look at yourself and you're cute. You don't need any press release. You just know it. But the truth is that you never sat down and gave yourself cute. You know, some of us are brainy. No questions asked. Stop saying, oh, I'm not brainy. You know you are. Admit you are. But the truth is that, who am I? I am not what I am because of myself. 
Alright? So, when we learn who we are, we learn who we are in Christ. That I am what I am by the grace of God. I learn that I am a child of God. I am a citizen of the heavenly kingdom. I have been given an inheritance on this earth. I am the head and not the tail. My God, he looks at me and says, I am chosen. He calls me the beloved of God. Who am I? And it's all because of him. So he sits in front of God and says, you know, God, who am I? So it's not a question to, to belittle himself, but he sees himself in light of who God sees him. That without you, I'm nothing. You know why? David could remember when in his own house, he was not counted as one of the sons. Meaning he was probably an off issue. Offshoot, whatever you call it. So there, there was a time when his own father was not proud of him. His own brothers didn't like him. You know, they, 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 they saw him as a troublemaker. <laughs> he says, who am I? I mean, he, he, he goes into Saul's house to help him get rid of the demons he was dealing with. And the guy wants to kill him. They're killing me in my own father's house. Oh no, not killing me. They're denying me in my own father's house. My brothers hate me. Now I got a job over here. The guy is also trying to kill me. Who am I? You know, the guy is chasing him like a, a dog. He's hunting him. You know, he has all the security forces. He's hunting for him like a dog. He's killing people who would not give him up. Who is he? He gets into the cave. Everyone surrounds him. The people who surround him are broke people. People who are disgruntled. Everyone in the cave there has issues. So at the end of the day, despite who? You know, the number of people who've discounted you and me. The number of people who said we can't do anything. That who are we? You know, sometimes they are talking because there's something about God connected to us. If you listen to them, you would, you would go down the tube, but if you would listen to God, sometimes you've got to stop listening to yourself. Who am I? Who am I? And it talks about the sovereign God. The God who chooses him. You know, when, when David sat before Saul, you know, the reason why he went to sit there was that he had gotten up one day and he said to himself, how come I am living in a cedar house and God's, uh, what do you call it, ark is in a tent. He calls for Nathan. He says, Nathan, man, this is, not, this is not right. Now, see what is working here. This is not right. So Nathan says, you know, typical man of God response. Do whatever your heart says. According to the pattern that has been spoken to Saul. Because once you come into the blessings of God, there are things you got to do on your own free will. Make sense? There are some of you listening to me. You got to take over the children's ministry. Nothing will be spent from the church anymore. That's your covenant between you and God. Did you hear me? 
Some of us need to take things in the community. You will build the roads. You will do such and such. You will take care of the magnet schools. God prosper you. May it happen. You will take care of the orphans. You go to the fire department. Make sure they have ambulances. It's all on you. Do as the occasion demands. This is kingdom life. This is how we think as kings. Raised to run the kingdom. Alright? So, Nathan says, do what is in your heart. Nathan goes home and God says, excuse me, Nathan. I need you to go back to David and uh, uh, rearrange what you said. Yes, the temple is going to be built. The house of God is going to be built. But this guy has crossed the line. He's come out of being an ordinary citizen to becoming a citizen, a steward who is grateful. So I have to pause him here and bless him. Now, David is thinking about perpetuating God's presence. He's thinking about establishing permanence. Remember tent and house. He doesn't want it to be mobile. He wants it to be what? Permanent. And God is saying that you gave me the pattern. I'm going to bless you. So now God says that. Go tell him. He's not the one who is going to build the house. But this is the deal. I'm swearing a blessing on you. And your house. You want to bring permanence to me? We'll see who can give you more permanence. There are some of us that need from today. Negotiate the future of your grandchildren. By the acts you do today. Are you hearing me? By the commitments you make. Now, this guy was not joking around. He wanted to build God something. God is saying, uh-uh, uh Listen, David, I hear you. That's what you do when you are grateful. But I want you to sh- sh- know that I am more grateful. You know, God always is looking for, for a human prototype. You know, he looked for an Abraham to, to sacrifice his son so that he can release Jesus. So here David is overwhelmed. He, he's just saying, God, I just want to build you a house. It's not fair. You blessed me. I have the resource. Look at my house. Look at where we go and worship. This tent makeshift thing, it doesn't look like you. You are too powerful for people to perceive you as little. I want to do something about it. If you don't mind, let me, let me establish something that would be in the ground, would have a foundation. It won't move. People can come and worship you. God is like, uh, nobody builds me a house, boy. But for that thought, I bless you. See, this is what I like about God. David had not put a stone on a stone. But God swore to bless him. Then he began to explain the details of it. He said, you remember your predecessor? I fired him. I took the kingdom from his house. He says to David, what I'm giving you is that the kingdom will never leave your house. You want to give me permanent? I'm giving you permanence. You want to do something that stands? I will give you a memorial. So, check this out. The city of David still stays to today. Our Savior comes from the line of David. 
Why? This is a man that decided to be grateful. Decided to show gratitude that God, you have blessed me. What is my house? He says. What is my house? I mean, if I look at my house, we probably can't even build you the choir stand. But look at where I am now. All the blessings that are flowing through me, to me, are not being accounted for because of the genes in my blood. Not because of the color of my skin. Not because of where I went to school, what I was raised in. It's coming because of you. Can someone say your house will never stop you? Yes, your, your background will never stop you. When you are walking with God, he, he, your, what constitutes where you came from has nothing to do. I speak to those of us that men and women have held curses over your head. I break that by the power of the risen Christ. And I command you to arise now and connect with the heart of gratitude can, that can shift you out. We know gratitude. We know thanksgiving as a key. Listen, the keys of the kingdom open and close. Right? Can you use gratitude to shut some doors and use gratitude to open other doors? There are some of us in this land. The land is waiting for you to be grateful so it will open its treasure unto you. Stop complaining about the land. Stop complaining about everything that is in this land. Begin to be grateful for the land that you live in. And the land will begin to show you its secrets. You know what? God is looking for somebody who would be grateful for the land that they are in. And it doesn't matter who calls it the third world, first world. Just be grateful for your corner. Be grateful for Randallstown. Be grateful for Owen Smith. Be grateful for Frederick. Be grateful for India. Be grateful for Mexico. Just be grateful for Jamaica. Be grateful. Can someone be grateful for whatever land you are from? Just be grateful to God. Ask the Lord. Listen, you know what I found out? If God can pick a David and his background will not stop him from becoming, then what can God do with you? What God can, what, my God, what, what will stop my God from doing with you what he wants to do? Nobody counted him. You think about it. He's a short dude taking care of sheep. But God can pick him and, and move him to the front because there's something in this boy's heart. His heart is full of gratitude. It doesn't take you too long to read the psalmist to realize that this guy drank gratitude, lived gratitude straight, functioned in thankfulness. He was not just talking about it occasionally. My goodness, look at him bringing the ark and look at him dance. When you are grateful, you can't hide it. You may not be a good dancer like me, but you will sure show it, my God. You will sure lift your hands. You will sure bow your knees. You will do something. Come on, give me some two steps. Give me some three. Sometimes, show God that you got. Show, show God some gratitude. Then he says, uh, he says, What's the, the third thing he said? 
He asked. Listen, today, I want to give you an assignment. Can you just take a minute and see how far you've come? You know, sometimes, you know, if, just, just look at your before and after pictures. Yes, some of us, you know, I, I remember when my mom used to threaten me that if I, you know, the way I was going on, she was going to bring my before pictures and show it to the girls. And I used to beg her, please, because my legs were so scrawny, I looked like one caricature. I knew she would just blow my, oh my God, look at what the Lord has done. So mama was looking at me and said, boy, stop playing around. You, you, I know how far the Lord has brought you. You know, despite all that is going on, sometimes just think a little bit how far the Lord has brought us. How far the Lord has brought us. How far. You know, for some people, you may say, oh, God has not brought you far. That's fine. But for some of us, we can see how far the Lord has brought us. I mean, some of us were losing our minds. Some of us, things were not going well. Look how far the Lord has brought us. He's brought us a mighty long way. He's done so much. How far the Lord has brought us. See, so David is saying, God, you know, this thing of how far I've come, it's not because by my might or by my power, but I can see how far you brought us. Then he begins to recount that of Israel. He says, God, how can you pick a people that are so few and deliver them and make a name for yourself? You know, it looks like you are all everything by yourself. And then uh, you take me also and see how far you have brought me. And some of you listening to me, you may be in the middle of your struggle. But I'm telling you, a day is going to come. You will say like David, how far you have brought me. House of worship. Listen, the roof is on. How far. <laughs> my God. I look at myself when people didn't think I was anything. Look how far he has How far? Reggie, look at yourself. How far? Ishmael, look at yourself. How far? Listen, we got to sit before the Lord and say, God, we register this today. That this far, that's why Samuel would take a stone and place it and call this Ebenezer. He said, this far has the Lord brought us. It is the Lord that has brought us. Johnny, I remember you. Look how far the Lord has brought you. You understand me? Sometimes we, we have to look at it ourselves. Yeah, we've got to look at it ourselves. Don't let anyone come talk nonsense to you. Don't let anyone point a finger at you. Don't let anyone say, you are not, your God is not a God. You look at yourself. Look at your circumstances. Sit before God and say, God, how far are you? You know why? Because he's taking us further. So, the moment 
we establish the gratitude marker. He moves us beyond the dark. He, he was just trying to build a house for God. And God is saying, you know what, dude? I've got something for you that will blow your mind. Look at us preaching about David right now. You know, in the wee hours of the morning, I was just thinking, oh my goodness. So this guy's conversation... I'm having a conversation around this conversation. May people have conversations in the years to come around your conversations. May people's lives be transformed because you had a heart of gratitude. Listen, you know what? I appreciate you all so deeply you have no idea. You know why? Because I've come to understand you are the people God has blessed me with. I better celebrate you. I better be grateful. I better, you know, the Bible says that anyone who's faithful with little will be faithful with much. Can we show some gratitude with those that are around us right now? Yes. Thank you for your life. I thank God. And anyone who would dare be grateful. Gratitude is a seal breaker. Did you hear what I said? It breaks the seal of your future. Anything that God has packaged for you, he waits and sits for the day you would open your mouth and open your life unto gratitude and begin to say, God, I see what you're doing. And all of a sudden, you're ready. You know why? Anytime you are grateful, like a David, it means that when he blesses you, you will still be grateful. You know, Joseph stood before Potiphar and with gratitude in his heart, he said, oh, king Potiphar, listen, interpretation don't come from me. It comes from God. Knowing that everything I am is because of God. All of a sudden, he shifted from just interpreting and implementing a dream to becoming the prime minister. There is more after gratitude. There is more coming from where we got the first blessing. Can someone say there is more? Can you prophesy into 2020 and say there is more coming my way? Oh, come on, can you prophesy into 2020 and declare that there is more coming my way? There is more coming my way. We come as a grateful people. We stand as a grateful people. This far has the Lord brought us. He has been good to us. He has lifted us. He has encouraged us. He has made us to stand in the midst of it. It's not how strong we are, but it's the strength of our God. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you that in this <laughs> Thank you Father Can You know I, I, I just sense God opening things onto us You know that's why Some of us in this season, you want to even bless, give a thanksgiving offering from your heart. That has nothing to do with capital campaign. I want to build God a house. Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to do something. As God has blessed you. 
May you, out of gratitude, just do something. Look at someone and say, just do something. Ajua, this far has the Lord brought you. No one can take that from you. Nobody. Nobody. Can we live in the wholeness of what God is giving us? Yeah. Can we stand to our feet? If you not have an offering, you can bring it. If you need an envelope, please look for the House of Worship envelope. Thank you for listening to the House of Worship podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and were blessed by it. For more information, visit us at our website at www.myhouseofworship.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.